1: This Haberman and Middlecoff segment is brought to you
0: by Ease. Ease Ease.com, promo code HAM. EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM. And by Sleep Number. Oh, we love Sleep Number. SleepNumber.com slash HAM.
1: Biggest sale of the season.
0: Now to the segment.
1: Mort on Kyle and Jimmy. It should be. It wasn't the big story on Twitter last night, but this should be the big story in the NFL this weekend. Um, Chris Mortensen went on Russillo's... ESPN podcast, which I think is coming to a close. Yeah, it has, I, has I, two I, shows I, left. I can't, I mean, it's so many places. I respect it. Um, and said that uh, there are some things that the Niners don't like with Jimmy. I don't think he likes what he sees. Kyle, referring to Kyle and Jimmy. Mentally, you better keep up with Kyle. I'm reading more quotes that that I wrote down as you played me the audio earlier. I'm not sure he's a patient guy when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm anxious to see if he's the starter. I don't know. We could even play some of it if you want to. He's going to have to show a lot more in different areas. So this is Mort. Why don't we play it and listen to it together here, John, when you pull it up. But this is Mort, Chris Mortensen, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's hard to listen to this and not come away thinking the Niners might have a little bit of a problem. You got it queued up there? I'm searching. I'm like – Oh, I got the – you sent me a piece of it so we can use is there that too. any scenario where Garoppolo so bad this year and the way the structure of the contract, even though they gave him so much money up front, which would make me think a team would still be reluctant even if Garoppolo fell on his face, is there any scenario more where you would see them
0: making a decision to move on from Garoppolo?
2: Yes. Wow, okay. I'm glad you asked about it. Of all the guys you asked about, Garoppolo to me is, is the most intriguing uh, guy because
0: – Really quick, just to put this into context, he had gone a list – like his the basically the, the point of the entire podcast was he went through every starting quarterback and based on their contract who they are and status on the team like the likelihood that they were going to be the long term quarterback or if it was an older guy like Roethlisberger who was established like he's going to be there for at least next year under this deal type deal so he was going through he did that on that was his own take he went through basically like thirty guys and then he had Mortensen and he did a little rapid fire with you know, some of the guys that he thought were polarizing. Mariota, Flacco, and then he kind of ended it with, I, I I would imagine two weeks ago, Jimmy wouldn't have been his hot button, right? And so he kind of ended it with Jimmy, and that's how this conversation duh.
2: is the most intriguing uh, guy because when he was traded from New England to the 49ers, remember he sat for a, a, a few games, but yep. when he came out and played, he kind of lit it up, and, and I think they said, obviously, they said, well, he's our guy. Let's go ahead and you know deal with the contract situation now and give him the money. Uh, but I do believe, you know, listen, the, obviously he heard his – you know, towards ACL early in the season last year. and uh, But I think there's been some other things that they don't – I don't think that Kyle Shanahan likes what he sees. Uh, and, what are we talking and, about there, prep, day-to-day? Like, well, I'm me... not sure if it's prep or, or – it's a. Gra- you know, starts? Kyle is – I think he's one of the top three yes. offensive coordinators in football, you know, and and, and uh, I don't know if i name them all. You put Josh McDaniels in there certainly, but I, I think Kyle's right there. And uh, I think he's still a guy, even though he has his offense, he's always wants to evolve. And mentally, you better be able to keep up with Kyle. And Kyle, you know, hes he, I'm not sure he's a patient, patient guy, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. And they're they're at a point where they want to win. I mean, John Lynch and, and and Kyle Shanahan are kind of tied at the hip there. And I'm anxious to see what happens at the start of the season with Garoppolo. If they don't think he's Whoa. ready,
1: say what? That's where Rassila was like. You can hear he got quiet for a second. He's like, "What?
0: Wait, what? You want me to keep going, or is that enough?" No, I think it's enough. Go. Okay. Go listen to Rassila's pod, but um is probably like, well, actually it doesn't matter because it's disappearing in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I just that's uh We we we've had an intense couple of weeks. There's no way around yeah. it. My, my overall takeaway from this because I had some people tweeting at me, like, what, what do you think this means? I think at the end of the day the the analogy I used earlier to you when we were just BSing before we got on the podcast, like if I if I'm you know Mick Jagger, lead singer in a band, and I get a guitarist, which I'm very dependent on, like the lead guitarist, and he starts fucking up my music. I'm mad. Like I'm the lead, the head honcho here. Like Kyle is more than just the head coach. It's one thing when you read like Zimmer's frustrated and Kirk Cousins, and we've talked about this before. Like they were trying to tweak shit all off season. Like Zimmer's just the head coach. He's not the play caller. That, that's what makes like Kyle. And when you see Gruden going nuts. And Bill O'Brien going like there the offense is their baby, so when when you throw five picks in practice, it's one thing if you're the head coach and you're the defensive guy. Like if that's Parcells or Zimmer, like deep down he's like fuck yeah, we had five straight picks in practice. Coverages hmm. I'm calling. You you try to do that on my on my zone robber, uh you know switchy switchy gap a blitz. You know good luck there, buddy. But that's not. So when you get the, the excitement a defensive coach has, because you better believe when the door's shut in Robert Sala's meeting the next day and they're watching practice, how fired up is everybody? You don't fuck with us, <laughs> right? Well, Kyle, it's embarrassing for him. To me, that's a refle- Jimmy's struggles are a reflection of him. So in his frustration, and I think Ryan goes, well, is it prep or... It's clearly not I don't think it has to do with working hard or understanding the offense. It might be a little understanding the offense that it's just so overwhelming. And you had the famous one-on-one interview. I remember you tweeted it way back in the day like of Matt Ryan like get you it can be overwhelming. Now you go, "Well, Jimmy's been here for a while. He has, but he's never really played." So I think Kyle for the first time is thinking, "Well, you should know the offense as well as me. You've been here now 2 years." Uh, and I'm expecting a lot, but then there's also this elephant in the room of all this pressure, and as you said earlier this week, there are a lot of people now itching just because it's natural for us in the media cycle when you pay a guy and it goes, there were a lot of people on the fence, like, did he really deserve to get paid? Without any of the context of why they had to pay him and the situation they were in, but the, the, as Cedric, entertainer, what he famously said, "I wish a motherfucker would." Like a lot of people are hoping, "I wish a motherfucker would be a, in my seat." A lot of people are kind of rooting; they wouldn't mind seeing Jimmy throw a couple picks Saturday. And I, I think at the end of the day, but white people are like, "I hope nobody's in my chair, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sir." I, I I paid for one B and one C. You're in <laughs> my chair. That Kyle is I go just, back and
1: watch the Kings of Comedy.
0: <laughs> Kyle, I, I I think he's. It's a reflection of him, guy. So when you fuck up his offense, that's his offense. And that's just that's an offensive coach. So I, I, I think Chris Mortensen is not just middle cop throwing takes around. He's talking to people. So I also think it's it'd be weird if Kyle wasn't mad. This is his offense. Jimmy's been here forever. And Jimmy looks like shit, guy. He's throwing picks in practice. I saw in one of the things on that podcast... When, when it first opens, they're they're making fun of different people at ESPN, like who's the most self-deprecating. And they ended up on either Tim Hasselback or orlosky And Russo was like, well, if you're Dan Orlovsky, you kind of, like, you better be self-deprecating. You can't walk in there and act like you're Troy Aikman or something. But they said it was pretty funny that Orlowski's like, I'm Dan freaking orlosky I guess he said this on Get Up. And in my 10-year career, I've never thrown five straight picks in practice. Kind of saying, like, I was shitty and I didn't do that. Like, that's... That is alarming for NFL people, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know. He, he that thought that that
0: was more alarming than, like, a shitty game performance.
1: Well, that's where I think this comes into play, right, is you. It's not as if the way he played against the Broncos the other day was total opposite of the way he's been in practice, even aside from the five-pick day. I mean, I don't, I've, there haven't been that many practice reports or you've been to practices where you read what people are saying and it's like Jimmy is slicing and dicing five picks or not like that's not been what's well, been happening. I, I think last Clara. week
0: the the thing too was he threw five picks in practice. Then either the next day or two days later they flew to Denver and he was terrible again. Like he had a bad first joint practice in Denver. So he went from really shitty against his own team to then go to Denver and he looked awful. And then obviously a couple days later in the game, it, we all got to see it. You know, it's one yeah, thing I, I think when you read practice reports, you're like, well, you know how these guys can be. They're out there a long time. You, you can nitpick whatever you want. It's easier to not just count stuff, but just be like, "Ah, oh, it's no big deal. I, I think the game, once the game happened, anyone with any common sense goes, has everyone been telling the truth? <laughs> like, is this really that shitty? that That's what hit for me. And I've been to a couple of practices. I just don't make that much of practices. I obviously wasn't there for the five pick day, but I, I just didn't put that much stock into it. I'm not gonna lie, guy. I started putting a lot of stock into everything that everyone's been saying. You know, that kind of felt like hyperbole a little bit and just overhyped. I, I, I think a lot. I, I, I it almost validates everything that's been said. Almost what I witnessed on uh, one night it was that Monday Night Football.
1: Right. Yeah. I I feel for all of the you guys are over uh, it's like we were kind of having fun, but kind of but th- there was an element to it that was serious after that game on Monday night. And I think this only validates a lot of that, that, you know, as we said, I think the bottom line point after the after the game Monday was at the end of this all, like, we're laughing about it. How much does it matter? It's not that many throws. Is Kyle Shanahan happy right now or not with the way his offense performed? The answer is not. And it's not like, oh, it's cool. We'll figure it out. Like, no, he doesn't have time to fi- – this is the figure-out time. Now, is Jimmy – is the fact that he's coming off an ACL a factor? Maybe, but again, like – that's not all of it. And whatever's going on, to hear to hear uh, Mort say mentally you have to be able to keep up with Kyle, like that to me is not some scout who's mad talking to Mort. Like Mort's talking to somebody who really knows what's going on. And when you watch it, it doesn't feel like Jimmy's operating at uh, maximum capacity. Or maybe this is maximum capacity and – you know, early on when he came to the 49ers, Kyle gave him a watered-down version and things were going better, and now it's time to build to the next level. Well, they did, they did. And they're not getting there, right? Well, I mean, that's the only way they could have done it initially. Well, they, they were now open. it's time to go to the next level. Here, here's the, let me just say this too. Like, to your point on it being embarrassing, whatever, for Kyle, like this is his offense. If Kyle's quarterback can't be really good, then what is the point of the whole thing? Like, because he's not here for defense, he's here for offense. And he's here to make... Debo Samuel better, and he's here to make every running back he's got better. But none of that stuff works if his quarterback can't do what he wants him to do. It's not like it's his first round receiver who's not producing.
0: Fine, we'll work around that. You can't work around this. Well, to me, interceptions at the end of the day, I can live with them if you're throwing four touchdowns, but it's hard if you're consistently throwing interceptions to win. Now, you have to eventually throw some. To me, and Rasillo talked about this on the podcast. There is a fine balance of guys that push the envelope. Like, Jameis is kind of an interesting case. Like, his statistics, he's actually been pretty one of the better down-the-field throwers. But he also throws a lot of picks. But he's also near the top of the league in explosive plays. So, like, one of his best attributes is not being afraid. But it also gets him in trouble. And that's why you probably go, well, I think Bruce, probably the perfect guy to balance that because that's kind of what he wants to do too, but he wants to do it in an efficient way. Where Kyle just ha- gives you the blueprint. Now his blueprint probably looks like something you'd get from an engineering degree at Stanford or Harvard. Like you give it to me or you, or even just your your run-of-the-mill quarterback. It's really intense. It probably overwhelms a lot of people. Where I think, does that make maybe make a little more sense why he likes C.J. Bethard? Is there a chance that C.J. Bethard, they just speak the same language? Like if there's two people in the room speaking Chinese and you walked in, you don't know what they're saying. And that's the equivalent sometimes on a different level. Like if CJ Beathard and Kyle are speaking Chinese and Jimmy comes in, he can understand half of it. And maybe they're like, bro, you've been here just as long. Why can't you understand everything we're saying? And I think deep down, this is where the scouts, this is where we, you know, there's some. there can be some frustration. It goes, Kyle, I don't give a shit what he can't figure out. One, someone tweeted at me last night, like I've never heard – he has struggled with his football IQ. And my response was simple. Like, you don't last that long with Belichick and Tom and the way they talked about him. And it was clear Bill liked him being dumb. Like, you, that's that to me is Harvard. Like, if, if Kyle Dow is Stanford of the West, right, his playbook and what he demands, that to me is Harvard graduate school or Harvard law in New England. And they've always talked about it that way, right? Like, how intense the offense is just how the whole thing the verbals the the on the lines everything it, it is like a masterclass in football is
1: it possible that what we're talking about is not his ability to understand what's happening when they're going through the playbook but now all of a sudden maybe the injury things are slowing down a little for him on the field or speeding up a little for him on the field and he's not
0: processing well, what's what's our famous uh our, our main man's famous saying lorenzo neals do you remember the say? No. That pressure, uh, it, it can burst pipes or make diamonds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that I, I I do think it's human nature, even really smart people. And I can't even imagine. Like, Jimmy had pressure on him last year, but it was positive pressure. Like, everyone's like, oh, it's 5 and oh, they're going to be really good. It was kind of a, just a weekly blow job. Now, for the first time, you could argue, in his career, guy, where... Even when he filled in for Tom, he was like filling in for Tom. Like Tom eventually was coming back. It was a, it was a short term. You get to show what you got, and he did a great job. But he, he didn't even finish get to the finish line because he only made it through a game and a half. Where now it's like, okay, you've really made a lot of money now because we've already paid you of that seventy and true guarantees. What do you, what? How much money do you think Jimmy's already received? Forty five of it, fifty. So he's, he knows how much they've already paid him. And he starts thinking, God, I haven't done shit. I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. And then you got Kyle, which is always operating at, like, it's different. Because I think Belichick, when he's on your ass, he clearly knows, like, Belichick's going to know the offense. But I think Belichick, when he talks to players, it's like a more about bigger picture stuff. Because he does have Josh to do the, the in- intricacies of the offense. So, like, Bill's pressure's a little different. It'd be like a grandfather around you where you feel it, but it's he's looking at you for different things, where Kyle is kind of micromanaging you because at the end of the day, he is the offensive coordinator while he's your head coach, and you feel the weight of the world on all the money, and I, I just think you just, ugh. I,
1: I honestly think... Do you think that, the ACL, are you, are you putting the ACL into this equation?
0: No, not? because I've watched him, and I, I don't think, I, I don't know if that's in his head at all. And again, maybe it is. I, I, I'll like, use Derek last year as an example. I think Derek, when you watch him this year, I think Derek's much more confident and just much more at ease. He's just used to being around John. He's used to being rich. Where last year, I think he felt a ton of weight on his shoulders. Like, I got I to gotta impress John. They've paid all this money. I came off a shitty season with Del Rio. And where you see him this year, it's just like, fuck, I know the offense, just relax. Well, that's what's weird about Jimmy. It's like, does he not totally know the offense, or is it more pressure? And Eileen is just—he's just pressing, you know? Yeah,
1: that's that's why that's why I say like I don't know if it's based on the history he has with Belichick about whether or not he's speaking English in the room, and everyone else is talking Chinese. I think it's more what you're saying that maybe, and maybe just—I mean—he hasn't really seen live bullets in a long time because maybe that's where the injury factors in.
0: But this is where I would say though. Kyle, if your guy is pressing, you are 100%. the head coach. It's on you to relax him.
1: Yes, this is part, absolutely, totally. It's not on you to make him feel. This is where I go back to, like, screaming at Nathan Peterman <laughs> ain't helping Nathan Peterman. No, but you. Like I, just, I watched two minutes of Hard Knocks, and I went, if you want the most out of Nathan Peterman, that's not the way to get But it. But do you notice who he doesn't scream
0: at? The only guy that matters, <laughs> you know? Right. So t- and, Totally. And, and,
1: I'm just saying. Part, your point is right, which is part of knowing players is understanding you can't treat them all the same. But I, now, I, how,
0: I also think he's screaming at Nathan Peterman knowing he's going to cut him, so it doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. Trying to get the most out of him.
1: I, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I watch the hard, Now, John knows Nathan Peterman better than me, but this isn't even about Nathan Peterman. It's to say, if your players
0: aren't maximizing their ability, that is partly on the coach. Yeah, because to, cause to me, Kyle's issue, he ain't screaming at guys. It's like, Kyle, maybe it's you just to go back to Chapter 4 instead of trying to be on Chapter 28, right? Let's just, what's the most basic level sometimes of sports when you hear a coach? Like, when Steve, remember, Steve Kerr showed up to Golden State. They were just coming. I guess they hadn't done that much yet, but they were pretty good. And I remember reading an article, like, years ago when Iguodala was like, what the fuck's this guy's deal? He was making us do, like, normal bounce passes. And they all thought it was, thought the it was practice. they all thought it was weird.
1: But the first practice. But then, like, they looking back,
0: they completely understood it. And I think sometimes, like, Jimmy gets back, and Kyle just breaks out into a full-on sprint, and now he's moving so at rapid speed that it's hard for him to slow down. And I do understand where Kyle's coming from. But at the end of the day, when you're the coach, it is on you. And this is where, having seen firsthand and just – I think I think Andy is the best in the league at this. Because it, it's not about Andy. That, that's what makes, I think, Andy so special It's like – he doesn't need his ego pumped. Like he, he just needs his quarterback. To, like they just need to be on the same page. Whatever that takes, whatever. And I think you watch Nagy and Doug; they clearly are really good with that too. Like, look how easily it was for Doug to go to Foles and just change the offense. Like they just the, the, the way those guys talk about quarterbacks, because it's not like ego; it's about what does it take to whoever we have. Like they'll change their offense, and this is where I think the knock would be on Kyle. He only has the one pitch, his offense, which historically is a great offense. But like, he, everything builds off that base of the offense. We're like, what is Nagy, Andy, and Doug's offense? Because you can watch all three of them. They do similar ship. But they all do a lot of different stuff. I, I, I wouldn't say like they have like the core of, well, they just run the outside zone play action. That's that's the Kyle staple where you'd say those three guys, now that's what McVay does and does it successful, but but they always talked about, like, he's really good with Jared. Right? That they're just, there's not much ego involved. And I feel sometimes with Kyle, there's a little, maybe ego is the wrong word, but just, you know what I'm saying? Stubborn, stubbornness? Is it stubbornness or just lack of ability to change? Yeah, maybe stubbornness is the right word. I don't know. I Yeah, I do know what you're saying. I, I'm i with you. I don't know if stubbornness is the right word. It's, maybe it's just his personality, where, like, McVeigh. Like, whatever, what do we need to do to work? Where Kyle goes, we're doing this to work because this is always work. Catch, catch up. A, a little chippish, but at, a, at an NFL higher level.
1: What do you make of the comment, uh, I'm anxious to see if he's the starter? That's what Mort said. Uh,
0: That's good to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. That Now, is there any part, is this at yeah, I back mean, guy, if they Dwight start 0-4 and, and he's got awful, like, he will get benched. Like, that's... Yeah, but
1: he, I think he was talking, like, early in the season. Well, if they, um, I'm telling
0: you, if they went 0-4 and, 4 and oh, Jimmy... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: that, but that's that didn't feel like the way he was saying it. Yeah, I, I
0: think there is no chance on God's green earth if Jimmy Garoppolo is is living, not starting week one. Zero. No matter... He could throw seven picks this game Saturday night. Now, if he... yeah, uh, Honestly, so, though, guy, what if this Kansas City game, he throws multiple picks... The conversation is coming up. Like, are we one hundred percent sure he's starting? And the answer is yes. But we got a problem on our hands. If you're Kyle, yeah. I but is I wonder
1: if any of this is part of the is any of this connected to why there's three quarterbacks on the roster potentially when the season starts?
0: Uh, I would say no, just because. Like on a lot of teams that you look around. You go well. They have three quarterbacks because one guy was their backup the last couple years, and the other guy has been bouncing around the practice squad. One of the reasons these three quarterbacks are kind of like these three quarterbacks don't feel like Glennon and Peterman. One, both of them started a bunch of games the last couple years, and then Mullins kind of supplanted the draft pick. But the draft pick was a high enough draft pick that you know most teams hold on probably a little too long. If to me, if CJ had been a six round pick and Mullins had been an undrafted free agent, I'd be like, what we're doing. What are we doing? But I, I, I do understand fundamentally, you did take this guy in the third round. Kyle really likes him. It does make sense why they're all around. Like, I, I think they kind of have a unique situation. Like, it, it was easy for Howie to go, Cody Kessler means nothing to us. He stinks. With Sudfeld down, we need to go give Josh McCown $4 million to come out of retirement. Right? That's The Niners have these two guys they feel really comfortable with. They were already there and have already played. And that was another thing Rosillo talked about. It was actually an interesting point was, and I hadn't really thought about it this way, for all the bitching and moaning running backs do about not getting paid, the one great part about playing the position of running back, even if you're not even a starter in the league, is you're going to get reps. You're going to get film. You're going to play on Sundays if you're an NFL guy. Like How many draft picks of starting quarterbacks you know, from college that never get a chance to start in the NFL or even may get a chance to start like one or two games, like a Peterman or a Glennon. Glennon's probably a bad example, but more like Peterman's, Mullins. Like, there's a chance Mullins is out of the league in a couple years. Like, they just siphon through these guys because then you draft a guy in a couple years. And yeah. they never get that much chance beside the month of August. They, they really, once the season starts, because the majority of starters, it's only one position plays, right? It's kind of like kickers. There's not as much turnover as you think, even though there are a bunch of names.
1: Like, yeah, so it's fewer guys make $25 million, but more guys make league minimum. Get get active roster bonuses. But m- my
0: point that kind of is stuff. that those guys just kind of just disappear. They're just. The, no, no, no. I know. I'm saying running backs. Oh, fewer oh, yeah, guys yeah, make yeah, $25 yeah.
1: mil, but there's more guys making. The, the guys, active there's more roster guys bonuses making like one and a half,
0: too. Like the Telvin Coleman's making four. There's guys like that all over the league. The equivalent of Telvin Coleman doesn't really exist as a quarterback, right? Right. But like there, there's a small percentage, like Teddy, Josh McCown, what Foles was in Philly, that you feel very, you're like, yeah, I'll give the guy five or six million, no problem, to I back up. And then there's a drop-off, at, that's from like 33 to 36, or maybe even 38, maybe we could say five guys, Tannehill, and then there's a group from like 38 to whatever, it'd be 64, where it's just a cycle. And I've been a lot of those guys think, well, fuck, I never even got a chance in a real game. You looked at my preseason, shit, it wasn't that bad. I never – if you just would have put me with the ones. And honestly, some of them might have a point. Right. And, but a, hard, lot, a lot of hard them hard to don't.
1: flash if you're one of those guys because your speed is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Right. Who you're throwing to and your offensive line. Now, who your offensive line matters if you're running back too, but you make two or three nice runs. but Bo- quarter, you're, you're quarterback 38. You make three nice throws. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And and I think how you many make people, three or four ninth runs somebody's like you know what
0: if I could just use that guy for seven plays well it's kind of like let's go uh, get him. if you ever talk to a baseball guy that spent some time in the minor leagues they're like God is, you're so dependent on what organization you're in because if I play left field and for whatever reason you know they don't my team doesn't make a bunch of trades and like use me as bait to get other players and I just stay in the organization even if I'm playing well well if Christian Yelich is our starter or whoever X guy. I'm just not going to get a shot. Where I see these other guys get traded and get a shot and then have a career that I knew I was better than. Where how yeah. many quarterbacks, like Nick Mullins might say, Nathan Peterman, Nick Mullins is a bad example because he already started some games. But like th- there are a bunch of players that go, God, Peterman got a bunch of starts in the league. So at the end of the day, even if his career ends after this preseason, he did get to play a decent amount of games. Where a lot of guys never got a chance to even dress guy. Mainly because now in the NFL they only keep two quarterbacks. So the third guy, that's what makes the 49ers kind of unique if they do keep three, is they might be the only team in the league that does that. There's a decent chance that if the Niners keep three, they are the lone team in the NFL that keeps three. Because I think if we look last year, I don't know, did Philly do it with Sudfeld and Foles? I think they might have put Sudfeld on practice squad, but I have to go back and check. But I don't think it was a high list guy. Did did uh, Seattle do it at one point in the last couple of years? No, because they never even had a backup, really. Uh, you be you're gonna be hard pressed to think.
1: Oh, New Orleans? Did New, or- did New Orleans do well, it? Well, but uh, year? Uh, do, Was you, Teddy do active? Yeah, but do you count that other guy? Because he's no, a... I don't know. I'm just trying to think of
0: like if that's what uh, it takes. Be like, well, if you want to draft, <laughs> you know, keep three quarterbacks, the dude has to be able to play pump protector. Uh wing back and be able to throw. You're like, well, that guy, okay, how many Taysom Hills exist? Think about that. That's what it takes to get a third quarterback. Yeah, well, Taysom Hill led our special teams in tackles. <laughs> You're like, well, uh, I'm pretty sure Peterman ain't fucking covering a kick. Did the Giants have did the Giants have like
1: Eli and like Davis Webb and
0: No, I think they only Like had. Geno or something who I don't think Davis Webb was on the team. Or no he was, he was on the practice squad. He okay. maybe that that could be it. I don't it, know. But your point's they, down. they, they did draft him. Again, we're talking about yeah, three or four me- examples meandering maybe.
1: Through, yeah, the rosters from last year isn't going to disprove your point. Um all right, so so there's that aspect of just kind of the buildup. and then there and was I, the but game, I also say is... the
0: difference on Davis Webb is you drafted him in the third or fourth round. He had never played yet. So you keep him, I I can understand that, even if I'm a fan. Well, yeah, we can't cut this guy, he might get claimed. To me, it's harder for the Niners. Well, I've seen CJ and Nick in in action, right? So what you're keeping, if you do keep CJ as a third, we've seen this party, right? This guy wasn't a third-round pick that's never played, because if that was the case, you'd be like, okay, I I get it. But that's not the case here. We've seen it. we got the evidence, speaks for itself. Except for Kyle, where he says he's a big play
1: machine, uh, but in the end, like if either one of those guys is playing, we got a we got bigger fish to fry.